This episode of Truce Table is brought to you by Truce Table. By Truce Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. Debt-free degree with Dr. Roz, whose mission is to teach students to create wealth by graduating without loans or debt. Avoid the average $75,000 in student loan debt. Follow Debt-Free Degree with Dr. Roz on Instagram and Twitter at Debt-Free Degree with Dr. Roz and visit her Patreon community, www.patreon.com slash debtfreedegree. And Broadleaf Books, publishers of The Enneagram for Black Liberation, Return to Who You Are Beneath the Armor You Carry by Chichi Agoram. Learn more at chichiagoram.com. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm Kamini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? You know, so, so so we about to do one of our evening recordings. So we ought to give disclaimers whenever we record in the evenings. <laughs> well, which is a very rare phenomenon, by the way, for a very good reason. Experience it now. <laughs> it is very very rare. <laughs> it is very rare. That's how you know the uh, the episode is an important one. <laughs> we got to yeah, do it in the evening. It's like it's, it's like emergency recording. Emergency recording. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, y'all, we are still in our behind our book uh, series, if you will. And um, we are uh, what's on the table is Michelle's final chapter, Keys to the Kingdom of God by Michelle Higgins. And so <laughs> so we're here, yeah, just to to talk to the author herself, to tell us and talk to us about this chapter. And yeah, why this chapter? I, I think of this chapter as a companion um, to love and justice in uh, multi-ethnic worship. Is that a, do you think that's a fair way to think about those, these two chapters together? In that way, or what do you think, Michelle? Yeah, I think so. I wrote them around um, the kind of with the same feel. You'll see a lot of phrases repeated in both. And um, although my um, audience wasn't the same, you know, the reader that I pictured wasn't necessarily the same profile. I think about the concepts that dominate them as hand in hand, because if you're trying to do multi-ethnic worship, um, then you need a vision uh, for mm-hmm. for what you're trying to prefigure. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, yeah. So tell us a little bit about just the process of of developing this chapter, and why did you feel like you know what this got to go into this book? Well, we talk a lot about um, blackness and uh, how it is beloved of God, and I think that there's a, there is a real enemy that we are at, at all, always at war with. Um, spiritual warfare against uh, whiteness, not only as a theory, but as a real threat to our eschatological view, mm-hmm. to our lens. Um, I wanted to combat whiteness up front and direct. I wanted to pinpoint it maybe a little bit more outside of other structures of sin and other things that we battle against mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, maybe just as difficult as yeah. uh, some of the other things that beset us. 
um, uh, whiteness itself is uh, is built to threaten our liberty in very specific, often um, not just corrupting but deceptive ways. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the eschatological uh, liberation of Black people that is central to God's plan, uh, God's final uh, plan for renewal. I think that that does involve destroying this last enemy. You know, we have death as the last enemy, our own sin, sin committed mm-hmm. against us. Mm-hmm. Um, but for so many of us who find ourselves in need of liberation, we are fighting uh, We are fighting the very whiteness of our allies mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give some kind of encouragement that uh, God doesn't actually believe in whiteness. And so neither mm-hmm. should we. Mm. Yes. So this is my quick follow up before I hand it over to you, because, uh, you know, I, I made up a question uh, just now. But in, in light of all that you just said, which was super heavy and uh, very real, Michelle, um, how do you prepare to write that? Um, I think emotionally and practically, how do you, how do you enter in? Because, you know, people get, you know. People have feelings about those concepts. At this point, I think for us, it's almost like old hat. It's like, come on, y'all. Um, <laughs> right. But 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 people act. You know, I mean, they they feign shock and rage every time. <laughs> come on. We say the obvious that white supremacy is a problem. You know, <laughs> um, a, a big old one. Um, but yeah, how did yeah how do you how do you prep for that? How do you enter in? Well, a lot of a lot of prayer uh, and a lot of checking in. Like this is. Are we sure? Am I sure? Are we sure? Because uh, you know we don't. We have a, we have to be very careful that our cool and fun and sometimes like trendy or even you know shocking ideas. We have to hold those uh, up in front of the Holy Spirit to make Preach. sure that it's the Holy Preach Ghost that. idea. Yeah. And that. like, well, the Holy Ghost sounds like a black woman. She whispered in my ear. <laughs> Specifically yes. with my name. Yeah, it's just like you. Interesting. Yeah. It's taken on the body, in fact. <laughs> so we can get into trouble in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. preached a lot of the concepts uh, that I shared at a um, at a conference in 2017 on uh, Fannie Lou Hamer's birthday in October in the city of Detroit. And uh, when I you know, when I went and preached there. Uh, people of color had serious problems with what I said and they felt like we're going to lose white allies. And I thought, oh, oh no, you know, wow, we can't let that happen. But it was only about wealth. It wasn't really about their identity Mm -hmm. and how they felt about themselves. And so I think- They're so interconnected. Yeah, Yeah, that's so true. To the point that like, we can't even separate, which I think for me was more proof that- uh, that it's time to do that. And so my hope is that um, there's, I really am still addressing the black woman reader. Obviously this is going to be a chapter that, you know, white folks feel like, Oh, we need this one. And you know, whatever they want to say is fine. But I care about black people getting free from whiteness. That's what I care about. And so some of my preparation was to intentionally say, I couldn't give a flying can of whatever you want to say is in there mm-hmm. about what white people think about what I'm saying, mm-hmm. because our sisters, um, uh, whiteness so combats with us yeah. uh, that we we are excellent contenders of racial issues and that weakens us in contending for the faith. So part of my preparation was to intentionally avoid uh, care for or concern with the white gaze. 
Yeah. So I was actually going to ask you, because you did mention and allude to it earlier about um, how the, uh, when I was talking about how I think of, you know, those, these two, the last two chapters pretty much that you've written, or, or well, the last two chapters in the book, <laughs> that your chapters anyway. Uh, I, who, who knows what, we don't know what you know, I mean, you wrote them last, right? Um, when you were thinking about, yeah, okay, the, you know, the audience is a little, a little bit different. And so um, can you say kind of what, yeah, so so this audience, would you say, is this one uh, for, for, for Black women, would you say strictly, or do you see it a little bit for the standing room section people as well? And then when you think about love and justice and the multi-ethnic worship, is that for a little bit, maybe a little bit of both too? Or how do you um, think about your audiences for both of those, or maybe even, yeah, for both those chapters, are there differences? Because you know how I talk about in Decolonize, how I'm like, I'm going a little bit beyond the table. I'm talking to y'all, but I am also talking to, the, I'm talking to the whole room on this one, you know? How about you? Is that kind of sort of the same for, for either both of you? I, I think of them companion chapters, so I'll just say the companion chapters, or, or, um, or is it like, not strictly this is Black woman? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Keys to the Kingdom is intentionally sermonic, you know, I, I think you could, you know, preach or espouse certain mm-hmm. sections mm-hmm. from a pulpit of a church that ain't no white people really in the majority there. They wouldn't understand it. What is Joseph style, black pride, or mm-hmm. we are not man made and maintained, you know, all the little riffing that happens at the top of it. That ain't for them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, when it comes down to it, I am trying to offer um, more of a of a liberative um, expansion mm-hmm. that says we we do get to talk about some of the stuff that has deeply hurt us as part of what God has promised to be devoted to obsolescence, and so I I, I wanted to focus on the black reader. Uh, obviously, I'm focusing on the black reader who who contends with with whiteness, you know. And consciously, but my hope is that you know hope there may be black readers who are are um, unconscious. Yeah, you know, um, they're not quite. It's not in their face every day. They live among black folk, work among mm-hmm. black folk, even attend all black churches where there's no leadership or questions of things. You know, the capitalism is uh, you know one of the bed fellows of whiteness, and yeah. um, you know, contending with that brings us into some of the concepts I shared. So yeah, the the reader for Keys of the Kingdom is really basically explicitly Black and has some awareness of Black worship, Black church. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's part of why I break down some of the info I share about evangelicals a little more than I would in the worship chapter, because you know I assume not everybody knows. In the worship chapter, it is specifically for our people who experience and maybe attend multi-ethnic congregations. And that again is primarily a black reader, but Mm -hmm. obviously as any of the info is shared or as someone shares, like we said in the other episode, as someone shares the chapter with a pastor or a worship Mm -hmm. leader, Mm -hmm. chances are high that person won't be black. Mm -hmm. And I think I knew that going into writing Mm -hmm. the chapter on love and justice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and worship. Yeah. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. Even as, yeah, as we're writing and preparing, preparing, like, who are we talking, like, who are we talking to? Yeah. And how that's a part of that process, too. I'm curious about, I mean, liberation is a really big theme, I think, not just in your chapters, but in your life, um, you know, as an organizer um, and, in, and in your own ministry and just how those things are intertwined. What, what, um, 
what's your liberative hope for this chapter? And what was your worry in writing this chapter, if one existed? Yeah, I'm, I'm always concerned that uh, when I don't go deep into ex, uh, explaining self or maybe even describing my own credentials. Uh, so in the worship chapter, I say, I've been doing this for two decades. And I say, here's what I've learned. Mm-hmm. In, the, in Keys to the Kingdom, I make plain that I am flowing. Um, I'm flowing and I see three very special aspects of uh, God, the creator, redeemer, and guide. I see those in blackness. And so I think, you know, I'm always worried that people won't capture or grasp some of the concepts that, to be honest, at worst, I hope at worst they're esoteric. <laughs> and at best, I hope they're poetic. Mm-hmm. I hope okay. that um, the reader feels free to apply their own imagination as part of what the Holy Ghost has given to us. I hope the reader feels free to apply their own imagination to some of the concepts that I'm sharing. And then, of course, obviously, I will worry that um, license or credence will be taken to decide that I meant one thing because I didn't say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, a tough, it was a tough decision to leave, to put some things in and to leave some things out. So that's a good question. Mm. You know, I, I have a question about what you chose to kept, keep in, what was left out. But we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to pose that question to Michelle and she's going to answer it. So don't go nowhere. Keep it locked. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making. According to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration, New York Times bestselling author Dr. Jamar Tisby says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. That's a lot of money, y'all. 37% of students with student loan debt owe over $100,000. Woo, that is almost a house. And y'all, I'm in the number. Jesus be a debt counselor. Dr. Roz has three degrees, including her PhD, and she only took $1,000 in loans. And she wants to teach you and your students how to earn a debt-free degree. Dr. Roz is a nonviolent strategist, culture shifter, and hugger. She teaches Dr. Martin Luther King's philosophy and methodology of nonviolence around the globe. And as part of that, she teaches students how to earn any degree without loans. 
That's right, y'all. Any degree without loans. Imagine the trajectory of your life or the life of a current student who goes into the profession unencumbered by student loan payments versus the student that's saddled with six-figure student loan debt. Dr. Roz has a great offer for Truth Table listeners. When you join any level of her Patreon community, send her a message in Patreon and mention Truth Table, and she will refund you half of your membership fee for the first month. That's right, y'all. When you join her community and you send her a DM saying you heard it from Truth Table, she will refund you half of your membership fee for the first month of joining her Patreon community. Families and educators, this is a great way to guide your students to a debt-free degree using all the tips, tricks, and tools that Dr. Roz provides. To learn more about debt-free degree, go to patreon.com slash debt-free degree and follow Dr. Roz on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at debt-free degree with Dr. Roz. Am I worthy of belonging? Am I loved just as I am? Am I safe to exist without worry? How do Black women return to our truest selves in systems that answer no to these three questions? The Enneagram is an ancient system of human development that shows us the limiting stories that keep us stuck in unhelpful patterns and invites us into more expansive stories. But for too long, conversations about the Enneagram and its personality types have been centered around whiteness. In her new book, The Enneagram for Black Liberation, certified Enneagram teacher and trained psychotherapist Chichi Agarum reclaims this powerful tool for Black women to help us rediscover our wholeness and worth. Wholeness work is justice work. When we center freedom, ease and rest for Black women, we are claiming the Enneagram as our tool for resilience building in the continued fight for liberation. Get your copy of the Enneagram for Black Liberation now at broadleafbooks.com or wherever books are sold. All right, we are back at the table. It's unlocked now. <laughs> that didn't quite work. Oh, well. Sometimes you, you know, it's hit or miss, you know. With the, key, with the keys. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good with the, the segues, but some, you, we can't put them all. The kingdom, we kept it locked, and now we got the keys and unlocked it. You know, some, make, some make it plain. Make some it segues plain. work, some don't. But anyway, we're back. Okay, it's all that matters. <laughs> back at the table with Michelle talking about the keys to the kingdom of God. And so um, I keep calling it keys to the kingdom. I don't know why I just want to keep it keys to the kingdom, but it's keys to the kingdom of God. And um, I, you know, Michelle, yeah, I, before we went on the commercial break, I wanted to ask you um, about uh, what you, you kind of talked about, you know, what you kind of had to leave on the cutting room floor and what got put in. So I was curious about like, what it is that you feel with regard to this chapter, what you feel was left unsaid or um, what you've, um, and maybe what even inspired you, but what really what you felt you were, was left unsaid or maybe something that you might've wanted to delve into more, but didn't have the bandwidth or just wasn't able or word counts or whatever. <laughs> Cause that's a thing too. Uh, but just curious about what you feel like was left unsaid in this chapter, or maybe you feel like you said everything you needed to say in this chapter. So what say you, girl? Yeah. As I was thinking about that question, I thought two things popped up. Uh, Number one, I wanted to leave it in the world of musing. I wanted to intentionally hang out with uh, being a human who has ideas and that being a big part of how God has made us, Mm -hmm. you know, no concepts I use are imagination, freedom, delight. You know, they're Uh very 
open. Yeah. And uh, the idea here is to ask or hopefully maybe inform the reader or invite the reader uh, to, to picture a God who delights mm-hmm. in the imagination that, that has been inherited to us through the liberative work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we have this expansive, op- this opportunity to be expansive. And I wanted to model that a little bit. So two things. Number one, I, I intentionally did not ground in a theology to say um, this is a didactic teaching episode, right? Mm -hmm. I never said this theology is firm. The thing that was firm, the only thing that was firm is that whiteness is devoted to obsolescence. Everything around it, how I got there, the articles I read, the books that inspired me, um, talking about economy. I'm not an economist. I was nowhere near about to try to drive home a point that I'm not an expert at. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be um, um, a model of musing. And that was intentional. And that means that some hardcore theological um, firm areas I could have stood on Mm -hmm. and really hit Bible study on, I chose to leave out. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I left out, I I feel would would have been so exciting, but it's not ready, um, is my sermon on the prodigal son. And I've been working for a couple years now on a, a poetic extension of the parable of the prodigal son, um, and it's it's racialized, and I'm excited about it. Uh, and and I had intended to put it in this chapter, but I decided not to because mm. it's not ready. And again, when you take scripture and you tell people, "Here's what this scripture means," you just have to be so careful because they don't hear. This is a sermon. This is mm-hmm. sermonic. Once you say, "Here's what this means," yeah. even if you add the words to me. So just some some care, some consideration, and wanting to to model the idea of musing, even in a subject as y'all have said that is that is so serious. Mm, yeah, oh, I love it. You know, the word musing was so important. Y'all know it was very important to me. <laughs> I was like musings, y'all. You were adamant about um, that. I was like, no, no, these are these are definitely musings. Uh, one, just because I wanted us to be able to to. Like even this idea we've talked about before, you know, black girls dreaming, black, you know, this, this, uh, the ability to just, to have unperfected thoughts, <laughs> to be in process, like the freedom to do that. I was like, let's grab a hold of that freedom for ourselves. How about that? There's a whole lot of people who are out here pontificating and <laughs> all the things like, let, let's give ourselves space oh. to do that as well. It doesn't mean that we don't bear responsibility for what we say. Absolutely, we do. But I just I wanted us to have that creative creative liberty. And I think Michelle, um, I don't know if you you don't consider yourself. I don't think a creative, but but I consider yourself a creative, and <laughs> that's, that's what I consider yourself. And, and 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 I think that's something that I have seen you do is um, have this kind of improvisational brilliance. Um, uh, you know, it's poetic and prophetic and, um, and you know, all the, all the things. Um, and I just think it's an outworking of amusing license, a license to muse. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that you were able to do that um, in this chapter, uh, even more so than even in the other chapters that you contributed to the book. So I've got, I've got, I've got two questions for you. And one of them is, I think, going to be a segue into how we may end our time today. Um, I was curious about what you would want people to take away from this chapter. So that's, that's, that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is I know that 
uh, we are truth table as it has been is shifting into something else. Hmm. And I wanted you to talk about what you want people to take away from uh, your time on the podcast. And certainly I got thoughts about your time on the podcast too, but uh, those two questions to take away from the chapter, but also Mm -hmm. to take away from your time in this way amongst us, clearly your words, your musings are in this book forevermore. Mm -hmm. Um, And all the the years of work that you've put in, but those are my two questions for you. One one is much sadder. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because I have such a, you know, such a, renewal and the end of time stuff going on in this chapter. You could, I could answer the question similarly um, because I'm, I guess I'm kind of a futurist because what I want for people is to experience some amount of not yet in there already. And that's what I hope I can contribute, you know, kind of wherever I go in movement spaces, clinging to hope feels like, it can be just as difficult as uh, avoiding police brutality Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in ministry spaces. Clinging to hope can feel almost as difficult as, you know, believing some of the more hard hard and um, seemingly preposterous sayings of the gospel or of the Bible story as a whole. And so I think that grounding ourselves and deciding deciding together as a community that we will um, honor one another in certain ways and maybe even maybe even continue to hope for a future that God has promised us mm-hmm. and given us a foretaste of that future in one another that we can cling to hope through um, community and that we can cling to hope through our um, having our identity in God that we can cling to hope through, grounding our purpose in whatever it is the Lord has set before us. And that that's that's my sermon to myself. Mm-hmm. Is try to hold on to hope that no matter what happens, you know, the Lord has laid a table and it, you know, it might just be the Psalm 23 table right. <laughs> on the way to the, you know, table in Revelation 7. You don't know which table you're sitting at. Um, but when God pulls out a chair, I think it's it's important for you to be seated there. Um, and that chair may be seasonal. You know, that chair may be temporary. That chair may be portable. <laughs> but the portable, seasonal or permanent, um, the Lord has built what I believe, and, and you know, some of my hope too, is a house, um, and the the home that Jesus is preparing for us over yonder. And we have some foretaste of that now. So yeah, that's my hope for whatever I've been able to contribute, or um, in whatever ways that readers, listeners, you know, sisters mm-hmm. have been able to glean or pick up or fill in whatever blanks I leave. Um, my hope is that people have heard a hopeful voice, um, have heard uh, what Gwendolyn Brooks um, calls a voice that was clear and adult and spoke um, in no uncertain terms uh, that we are each other's business and we are each other's harvest. Mm-hmm. And we are each other's both magnitude, the thing that exalts us, and bond, the thing that, that keeps us together. Uh, and so I appreciate, you know, I appreciate folks taking their time. Um, but I think it is, it is, um, it go, hopefully it goes without saying that there's, there's never going to be 
um, there's never going to be any time between, you know, the phrase old folks use, there's no real time between uh, true family, you know, real sisters. And so hopefully down the road and on, on around uh, whoever the Lord has for any of us to be involved with, yeah. it'll be real and it'll continue to give us good and fervent hope. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're definitely going to miss you here at Truth Table. Um, but I know you have a lot of work. You have a lot on your plate. Um, but I'm, and I'm so glad that we were able to do this um, project together. This, this, well, not only this, this ministry, but also this, this offering. I think about this, this book as an offering, you know, to us. And I think it in some ways, and I think I said this somewhere in one of our interviews with, with the people <laughs> about the book. One million interviews. Right. Uh, <laughs> about, uh, about the book that it, it really is the, um, I'd say the canonization of uh, Truth Table um, as a trio. It's the capstone, you know, to that. And so, especially, and it's, it's fitting as they, the people have always asked us, you know, for syllabus and bibliographies and, you know, books, all of those things. And now we've been able to give um, them a, a book with our voices harmonized with your poetic prose and your ser- uh, sermonic um, uh, writing, you know, um, that's just piercing and prophetic. And so I'm, I'm grateful, you know, for, um, for you and for what you've brought to Truth's Table um, and I know the sisters at the table um, have been blessed by you uh, too. And so, so yeah, go and miss you, and I love you. Well, but it was, I was I was gonna say, and it's one, and and I'm certain someone is listening right now, and they're like, record scratch, what? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, possibly. Somebody is like, what the blood clot? Because <laughs> I, I think even though we have we have talked about publicly, all of us, and kind of official statements about um, some of the changes. Um, I just think that it is, it's, it's, uh, for people who have followed along from the very beginning, I think it's hard for them to imagine. And one of the reasons why we even carved out this moment is because I think it helps people <laughs> to be able to hear yeah. that beyond the reading. They're like, what, what, what do you mean? Like you wrote something about this? You, you didn't write about the, the change. Right. The That's table, true. Whatever, whatever, do you, whatever, <laughs> whatever do you mean? I'm like, we, we did. And like, there's some quotes from Michelle in it as well. They're like, no, I don't believe it. She must say it to me. Um, but I, but I think that's because of this very real and deep connection that people have, Michelle, to your voice mm-hmm. and to your presence or whoever, whoever they think that you are. Obviously, people project it to whoever they think we are because, you know, y'all don't really know what's like that. <laughs> but, you, but, but, but what you've experienced of us, I mean, this is a, this is a part of who we are, just not all of who we are. Um, and I think even sharing that out, I think, helps people to know your hopes for them. <laughs> and, to, and to connect the dots, and um, I'm I'm excited to see what you're going to be doing in the life of the local church yeah. and in um, and just or, organizing um, it. You know, because you tell me that it is a critical time, <laughs> and it is indeed a critical time. Yeah. So if you had to leave, I think maybe I, I think it's I think it's fitting that you have the last word, Michelle. Um, if you had to leave the sisters at the table with. Um, I don't know, a word of warning, inspiration, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, encouragement, whatever. 
what would what would you want them? And by the way, this will not be the last time. We're not, you know, <laughs> that, that you know, Michelle is in the world, y'all. She out here. <laughs> but it, it is a different format um, that we're shifting into. So I would love to give you the mic to to say not to us, but to the women at the table, um, what you would want to leave them with. I have a deep appreciation for uh, people's time, and I have I have a deep appreciation for. Uh, the sisters being authentic, um, asking very earnest questions mm-hmm. and sharing their stories in ways that I might not think a person would share with uh, someone who's otherwise a stranger. And yet their voice um, brings some kind of either familiarity or mm-hmm. or comfort, uh, you know, to me. If there is any friendship, real spiritual friendship, if there is a hunger, a thirst for righteousness through justice, um, for peace that comes about through the fruits of the spirit that nourish us and then enable us to nourish one another, then I thank God for that. Um, And I believe that if I had to ask our sisters to continue to press on, to be fervent and to be faithful, it would be in fellowship um, and in faith. And um, yeah, and I don't have any warnings, <laughs> but I do. I, I do have a lot of uh, a lot of gratitude, a lot of um, a lot of grace, um, because I am grateful for all the grace that's been extended uh, from them mm. uh, to me. Amen. Amen. Well, I think it's fitting to close with this. Uh, benediction um, and affirmation, if you will, um, over you, Michelle, from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. My sister, we love you. And um, yeah, it's time to say goodbye to y'all here at the table. Um, thank you all for taking in a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going because we know you have thoughts and you have feelings. So please feel free to tweet us your thoughts about this episode behind our book, The Keys to the Kingdom by Michelle Higgins using the hashtag Truths Table. And you can also use the hashtag Truths Table book. Black women, we have a Black woman's Facebook discipleship group now. So y'all can follow us on um, on Facebook, like our Truths Table page, answer the questions. Uh, Join our Facebook group today and invite your homegirls. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truths Table. And feel free to email us your thoughts at asktruthstable.com at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And our video producer is Daryl Bradford. We have been your hosts, McKemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.